with all the details, but it was crazy the things that happened so that I happened to be free this morning. And I say that not, not to say, oh, you guys are so blessed to have me. No, I say that because I, I actually love situations like this where things didn't work out the way they were supposed to because I, I love living life like that. I don't like when a week is normal. I like when I go, okay, God, that was crazy. Why? Why would you clear everything out? I mean, some things that happened were even like demonic, seriously, where I'm going, what in the world? This is a crazy week. And there must be something you want me to say here at Reality SF. And I'm willing to bet there's some people in the room today where you have a similar story where you're going, yeah, I wasn't supposed to be here this morning. And through a series of events, he brought you here. And it just, during our prayer time this morning with the leaders here, I just got this sense of excitement, like, okay, anything could happen. Kind of last week, you guys celebrated Easter. I mean, I did too, but, but we, we celebrated Easter, the resurrection. And sometimes it's like this one-off thing but it wasn't, you got to understand, the resurrection was about Jesus rising from the dead and then interacting with the disciples for the next 40 days. Okay, we, we talk a lot about he came out of the tomb and appeared to them, but then over those next 40 days, he's with them. And there's this ongoing relationship to where when he ascends back into heaven, he's saying, no, this is going to be even better because what's about to happen. And so I know last week we all proclaimed, yes, we believe he rose again, but, but what does that mean for today? A week later, like, like, do you, like, do you have expectation this morning? Like, what were your expectations coming in this morning? Going, okay, we'll sing a few songs, we'll hear a message, hopefully I learn some things, and then I move on. Or do you walk in here and go, wait, if I believe that Jesus was literally tortured and laid on a tomb, and then he rose from the dead, and he promises to be with me, then when I walk, I mean, if I believe this, if I believe I'm going to walk on this stage, but it doesn't even matter what I do because the resurrected Christ is literally on this stage with me. So what in the world is he going to do this morning? I, I mean, that's got to be the way the disciples thought every time they woke up and they were with Jesus going, okay, yesterday he literally walked on water the day before he did whatever, he healed a paralyzed guy. The day before, like what is today? What is today gonna bring? Like when I put myself in the disciples' shoes, I just keep thinking, gosh, the conversations, like gosh, remember when we were walking and they were having a funeral and Jesus stops the coffin and makes the kid get out of the coffin? That's crazy, huh? yeah. What is he going to do today? Like, I meet very few believers who live with expectation of the resurrected Christ that he, he's going to do something today. And in my life, I've gotten to a point of so much expectations. There's times when I go to bed at night and I'll get frustrated and I'll, I'll almost not argue, but I'll say, Lord, 
why was today so normal? I don't live on this earth to live a normal life that anyone can live who doesn't even believe in your resurrection. Why was today so normal? Why did I not see, you know, should I fast? Should I do, like what? I, I wanna experience you more. I, I can't handle a week of a normal life because it should be completely different. You know, John, in John chapter 14, Jesus says, I, I love these verses. John 14, in, in verse 21, he says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. What an amazing statement. He goes, he goes if you love me, I'm going to love you. My father's going to love you. And we're going to make our home with you. Jesus, I will manifest to you. And I'm looking at these promises. I'm going, God, I want this. I want this. I don't want to walk up on a stage by myself. I'm going to walk up in faith that Jesus really rose from the dead. And anything could happen this morning. And he brought me here for a reason and he brought you here for a reason. And he himself is in this room with us for a reason. And literally anything could happen. I mean, that's what we learn from the life of Christ. It's just surprise after surprise after surprise where you just have to expect the supernatural. And that wasn't for back then, it's for us now. And so I hope you're not content with just coming and learning a couple of things and singing a couple of songs. I hope you come with the expectation of, okay, if you literally rose from the grave, then anything could happen in my life. Anything could happen in this hour. And I don't know what's happened in your life this week or this year, but I genuinely believe everything could, everything could change in the next few minutes through the word of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, anything could change this morning. And I'm expecting it to. I will be very disappointed, Lord, if all I did was preach a message and we go home. And there's not like resurrection, like what the heck kind of power that happens during this time. I want to, um, you know, that earlier this year, you know, as a church, at the church I lead, we read through the Bible every year. And, and we're reading through Exodus this year. I was like, just kind of blown away by the life of Moses. And I want to go through it real quickly. And there's a huge point at the end of it. I mean, there's points throughout, but I, I, I just, ah, I've been blown away because, you know, 
I kind of grew up in the church, you know, when I went from high school on anyways, really, uh, you know, learning the Bible and you hear these stories and they can almost get old to you or, yeah, I know that. Yeah, I know that type of thing. And then suddenly you have those times when God finally shows you, you know, you never knew that. You never got it. And when I was looking at the life of Moses, all through Exodus, I'm going, oh, I never thought of that. Because I tried to put myself in Moses' shoes. Most of you probably know the story that God calls Moses in the strangest way where Moses is doing his thing and suddenly he sees a bush that is on fire, right? And, and he keeps looking because the bush doesn't burn up. It's like this ongoing fire. And so he walks up to the fire and suddenly he hears the voice of God speak to him in this fire that just keeps burning. And I know we know the story, but have you ever put yourself in his shoes? Like if you're on some mountain somewhere and you're by yourself and you see a bush that's burning and then suddenly you with your own human ears hear the voice of the creator God speak directly to you and saying I have a plan for your life I mean how much would you pay to have that happen to you seriously some of you has got money you know what would you pay to say I mean, it's like, you know, people were paying to go to the moon. I'm like, I could care less. But this, the peace of interacting with the being who made me. And he's speaking to me like he says to Moses. He goes, I have a plan for you. I've chosen you to rescue my people from Pharaoh. And you're going to pull them all out of Egypt. You, a nobody. I'm picking you. And Moses is like, why me? He goes, I'll be with you. He goes, well, who are you? Who do I tell the people? Like, hey, just, just come with me because this bush told me to. <laughs> like, who do I say you are? And God says, I am who I am. Just tell him I am sent you. And I could give a whole message on that, but just real quickly, let me say, there's something so significant in what he said. I am who I am, especially for this generation where people like to close their eyes and imagine the way that God is. God did not say, I am whoever you think I am. He says, I am who I am. And it may go against your opinions. In fact, he goes, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. My favorite quote ever from any sermon was a guy who died named J. Vernon McGee. I was listening to him on the radio back when we had radios. And, uh, and he, uh, he's preaching and he said, uh, this is God. He, he had a weird voice. He goes, this is God's universe. And God does things his way. You may have a better way, but you don't have a universe. <laughs> and, oh, wow. That is so profound. So good. And, and we need this today. Um, because I know you guys all have wonderful opinions, and that's great. Um, and, 
So God is saying, I am who I am. But seriously, think about what would you, what would you sacrifice? What would you pay to have an encounter where God appears to you and you literally hear his voice and he's telling you what he wants to do with your life? And you're sitting there, you're going, God, there's no way, there's no way. I know me, I know my mind, I know all the things I screw up, how many times I've tried to do something great, it never works out for me. And God says, no, I'm gonna choose you. I've chosen you and you're gonna do this thing that is so far beyond your capability. And I'm going, God, I wanna, I wanna hear that voice. I wanna, I just don't wanna just... I bet you there's so many of, here, of us wrestling with, is this really what I'm supposed to be doing with my life? Right? We're going, is this the job? Is this a place? Is this city? Is this the home? Is it this? Is it that? Like, we want to know. We want to know. And some of us have this burning inside because it's like inside we know this isn't it. Like, I know there's something more. And I know he's preparing me for something. And Moses gets that. And I'm just going, God, I want this. And then I'm, I'm reading on. Because I never thought about having an encounter like that with God. It almost just feels out of reach. Like, well, he's not going to do it again. He's not going to have a burning bush. He's not going to pick me. I just want a little bit of that. But then it goes on and I'm reading Exodus 4 through 12 and that's when, when God tells Moses like, hey, here's what I'm gonna do tomorrow. Speak to Pharaoh, speak to, to the leader of this world and tell him tomorrow I'm gonna do this if you don't let my people go. And I thought, how crazy would that be to be the one human being on the earth that the creator speaks to and says, go tell them. This is what's about to happen. I'm going, God, that must have been amazing just to be chosen to be that person, to be that mouthpiece. And it continues. And then, you know, he, he splits the Red Sea and he has the whole Egyptian army gets drowned in the Red Sea. Um, he, he prays and God tells him, look, tell the Israelites, because they're like, what are we going to eat? And God speaks to Moses. He doesn't speak to everyone else. He just speaks to this one person. He goes, tell the people tomorrow when they wake up, there's going to be bread, like a weird bread just going to appear on the ground. Nothing's ever happened like this and nothing will happen like it again. It's just, here's what it's going to be. And then it happens. It happens every day. They're like, well, we're thirsty. He goes, well, watch this. And water starts coming out of a rock. And you're that one person between God and the rest of the world. I'm like, gosh. That, what kind of life is that? Do you ever even dare to dream of something like that? He, he goes on and then... Uh, I was even looking at the, oh, okay, right, let's, let's go to Exodus 19. Do you guys use Bibles here? Okay, okay, phones, whatever. Okay, so Exodus 19, it, it really is different, Reality Church, from the last time I spoke. Uh, I, I used to just think of reality, okay, that's where all the 20-year-olds go, and 
And, and so every time I'd speak, I'd put on these skinny jeans, which I can't even, <laughs> couldn't stand, but um, I can't fit them in anymore. So, um, but it's really cool to see like diversity now. Like some of you are clearly not 20. And, uh, <laughs> and that's awesome. Like that's the way the body of Christ is supposed to be. So yes, yes, thank you for, for getting older. Exodus, now even praying this morning with the prayer team and it was just like, ah, there's just like, there's just different ages, there's maturity, there's energy, there's everything. It's the way the body of Christ is supposed to be. And, um, but in Exodus 9, no, no, I'm sorry, 19 verse 9, I love this verse. It says, the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm coming to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and may also believe you forever. I love this verse. God tells Moses, because Moses is leading this group of people, but God says, tomorrow I'm gonna appear to you in a way in this thick cloud so that everyone knows that I love you. And everyone starts listening to you and knowing that it's not just you that's speaking, but this was the voice of God. And they'll know it and they'll believe you from here on out that you know me and I know you. And I read that, I'm like, oh, that would be so amazing. That would be so amazing. I look at that, I'm like, God, I want that so badly. Because everywhere I go, there's a line afterwards of people telling me why I'm wrong. And I'm like, God, like, can you do this for me? Can you just show up? And they just go, okay, we don't mess with him. You know, right? That's what was happening. That's what he's saying to Moses. I'm going to show up in a way because you've got all these people with all these opinions. And, oh, you should have done this, Moses. You should have done that, Moses. He goes, tomorrow I'm going to settle it. And I'm going to show up in a way where everyone knows, okay, God's with him. And I don't want to dare go against him. Because we live in a time when there's just, sometimes Christ can get lumped in with every other belief in the world. He's just another nice teacher and this and that. And I'm, and I'm looking at scripture going, no, God, you've always set yourself apart. You've always been out to show that you're the one true God and all these other beliefs and all these feelings and opinions and thoughts and all these millions of thoughts don't matter. Just you, you're set apart. I'm like, God, do this again. It doesn't have to be me, just someone. Do this again. And so after that happens, then if you jump down to verse 16 of chapter 19, it says, on the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. So all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. And they stood, they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln and the whole mountain trembled greatly. 
And the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Moses spoke and God answered him in thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain and Moses went up. Okay, this is what God said he would do. He goes, Moses, I'm gonna appear to you and all the people will know and they will believe you forever. And so all the people gather to this mountain and they're at the base of it. Okay, try to imagine if, if we did that right now. We just left, we got in our cars. I'm like, you guys, okay, first service missed it. You guys... <laughs> Just meet me, okay, at the base of Mount Davidson and watch what's going to happen, okay? And we head over there. You guys, just any one of these things. What if we're standing at the bottom and you just, the mountain starts shaking? And I said, I told you something was going to happen. And, every, and there's just this, it says it trembled greatly. So like a huge earthquake. And we're just at the base of the mountain. And then you look up and the whole mountain is on fire. The whole mountain's on fire. God descends on the mountain and you're seeing lightning and you're hearing the thunder and everything is shaking and there's smoke everywhere. And then the voice of God. And you hear God say, Francis, come up to the top. And you're all looking at me. And I literally walk into a fire. And you're just staring, going, there is no way he will survive this. And when God is saying, Francis, get to the top. I answer, I'm like, okay, Lord. And every time I speak, he answers with thunder okay I'm about a fourth of the way up you know and everything is shaking and I'm walking up and I'm about to meet with God and you guys are all going no way this is this I don't even have words for this there's nothing in my life that compares to what I'm witnessing right now See, that's happening with Moses. It's insane. Then uh, it goes on, you know, chapter 20 is when he gets the Ten Commandments. He's at the top with the Lord. I mean, same, more, more in chapter 20, verse 18, when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled and they stood far off and they said to Moses, you speak to us and we'll listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. And Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. And the people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. Okay, again, the people, this is not... Like a casual, the people, what are they saying? They're saying to Moses, don't let that 
being up there. Don't let him talk to us because I, I think this would kill us. You just go have your time with him and report back to us. But we don't want to hear this voice. It's like too terrifying. Like I, I can't handle this. You just come, you just tell me what he said. I mean, it's so different. I mean, today we sing songs of, oh, I'd love to hear your voice like a sheep, you know, by a river. And, and when these people saw and could just hear a little bit, they are terrified. They're going, we don't want anything to do with that. We, we just want to get further away. And Moses, you just tell us what he said. And when I read that, I go, gosh, there's still so many people like that right now that maybe you, where you're going, okay, that's too intense. I like my life the way it is. I mean, you're talking about striving after and expecting all these crazy things. I just want to, you know, have a little family and, you know, hang out, do my job. I'm content with that. You go up on the mountain and tell me what he said. And I'll just show up and you just give me a sermon about it. Or are you the type that's saying, I, I have to be there. I have to experience this. I want more of God. I'm hungry for this. I know I'm made for more. I'm not going to continue in this life. Like I am hungry for an experience like this. I hope that's you. So Moses is having all these encounters with God. And even this, you know, where he would, there's this one point uh, in, in chapters like 25 to 31, where God gives Moses all these instructions. And if you've ever read through the Bible, it's the section you just fly through. Seriously, because he's like, okay, make the tabernacle out of this yarn and, you know, these strings and these poles. And you're like, oh, but this year it hit me. I was like, okay, seven chapters straight, six or seven chapters straight of instruction. And then it hit me. Wait a second. Moses, it says, was on the mountaintop for 40 days alone with God. And these are the things God spoke to him. What would it be like as a human being to be on this planet alone on a mountaintop and the creator meets with you for 40 days straight and he tells you things, gives you instruction. Suddenly I'm reading going, wow, this is anything but boring. I'm going, God, I want this. I want this. We were made for this to interact with him, to know him. He goes on and you get to chapters, well, chapter 33 is a, such a huge one because, okay, then look at how God would meet with Moses in chapter 33, Exodus 33, verse seven. It says, Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp far from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, 
all the people would rise up and each would stand at his door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent and the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship each at his tent door. Thus, the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Okay, so then this this new thing started happening where God says, get a tent set it up this way, away from the people, and I'm gonna meet with you there. You know, it's, it's interesting that I'm teaching this this week, because just last week, our, uh, the church I, I lead, we, we just purchased like 40 acres in uh, Los Gatos Hills in the wilderness, because I wanna set up like just tents for people just to learn how to turn off their cell phones and be alone with God. And I just feel like that's so necessary right now to just escape this world and everything else. But imagine if you were up there with me and, you know, we'll put a bunch of tents together, you know, everyone's in their own little space, but then you know mine is like down or up the mountain somewhere. And every time I would go, because maybe at your tent, you're going through withdrawals without your phone, and like, oh, I don't like it here. And then, but then, then it's announced, hey, Francis is going to the tent. And you just watch from a distance, because you know every time I walk into the tent, like this cloud comes down from heaven. And you hear me speaking with another person and, and you're just going, God, I want that. I want that. I want that. I want to walk in and I, I want to hear the voice. I want some sort. I mean, you said you would manifest to me like I want that. See, that's what would happen with Moses. And when you read on in Exodus 34, it says he would come out of the tent and everyone would be scared of him because his face would be glowing and he didn't even know it. He'd come out like, hey, what's up? They're like, do you not see your face is glowing right now? And they were scared of him and they would have to, so Moses would cover his face with a veil whenever he would meet with God and come out just to not terrify the people. Like this is, this is Moses. He's, he saw the burning bush. You know, he, he called down curses from heaven. He went up on the mountaintop and now he has these times with God where he's speaking face to face with God somehow, in some way, and everyone knew it. And it's during those times that God says, okay, you're gonna go to the promised land. But he says, but I'm not going with you because I am tired of these people. They're complaining, they're whining. I'll probably kill them along the way. I'm tired of all their thoughts, their words, their opinions. I'll send an angel though, and you'll get to go to the promised land. And then Moses says that awesome statement in verse uh, 15. 
he says to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. I love it. Moses is going, God, I saw you. Remember when you spoke to me in the burning bush? Remember you told me what was gonna happen with Pharaoh? Remember when I was on the top of that mountain for 40 days and 40 nights alone with you and you're speaking to me? Every time I come into the tent, you show up and you're there with me and now you're telling me you're gonna send me to the promised land but you're not gonna go? I don't want the promised land. Why do I care about a land flowing with milk and honey? I've been with God. Did you see like once you've, once you've been on that mountaintop and the shaking and you're going, you're speaking to me. Nothing else in the earth matters. Like why would you care to go to a better house, a better city, a better place when you've experienced God? And so Moses is like, I'll stay right here. I will live in this tent, in this wilderness and have you way before I'd go to someplace nicer without you. He goes, it's you that I want. And then God's, you know, at that time saying, okay, I'm going with you. I'm going. And Moses is like, okay, if you don't go, I don't want to go. God says, I get it. And then Moses says this in verse uh, 18. Moses says, please show me your glory. And God says, I'll make all my goodness pass before you, will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord says, behold, there's a place by me where, where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Okay, so after all of this, Moses goes, okay, you're going to go with us? One more thing. Can I see your glory? When I looked at that, I thought, wait a second. Moses, you've already seen a hundred times what any of us have seen. You got to see the burning bush and hear the voice. You got to be the one that he communicated to tell Pharaoh about all these curses that are coming on the land. You're the one that walked up to the mountaintop when people didn't even want to hear his voice. And you're the one that gets to somehow in a tent, somehow face to face in some way. And now the only thing you can think to ask is, okay, can I see your glory though? I don't want the promise. I don't care about the promised land. I don't care about this stuff, but I've seen so much of you and all I want is more. And God says, okay, here's what I'll do because you're a human being, so I can't let you see my face because you can't live through that. I'll put you in a place where I'll kind of cover you and then I'll come by and you'll get a little bit more of my glory but there's no way you can see my face. 
Isn't that crazy that we pray to a God who says, you can't see my face and live through it? Do you think about that when you pray? Or do you just close your eyes and throw words up? Or do you go, wow, I'm talking to a God that I can't even look at right now in this body and survive it. And I'm talking to a God where the people just were like, we don't even want to hear his voice because it will kill us. This is the God we're speaking to and Moses is there saying, I want to see more of you. So all that was just my introduction. (laughs) Um, No, to this one short point I want to make. I just have all of that. I felt like you needed that background just to hear this verse, this passage from the New Testament. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. This absolutely fascinates me. And I am chasing after this. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 7. Now, if the ministry of death carved in letters on stone came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what's once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. What is he saying here? Paul's saying, you know the story of Moses? You hear about that glory? He goes, that was the law. That was the Old Testament. He goes, if there was so much glory that people were terrified by his face, he goes, how much more now the ministry of God's spirit, the spirit, the Holy Spirit of God now entering into you, it must far exceed that in glory. And I'm willing to bet most of you, as you're listening to me talk about Moses' life and all those encounters with God, you're thinking to yourself, if I could only have a fraction of that, and you don't even expect to, and yet what does the word of God say? Is he promising you a fraction of what Moses experienced? Most of us look at Moses like he lived some ridiculous life. And I'm not going to experience that because all I have is the Holy Spirit. All I have is a resurrected Christ who lives with me and the Spirit of God who dwells in me and the Father who's made his home with me. And I'm looking at this passage and I'm going, God, Will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? 
the ministry of righteousness must, must far exceed it in glory. You guys, I look at that passage and I'm going, have I been lied to my whole life of having these low expectations of just trying to fight some sins in my life that I'll just keep falling back into. You know, it just takes time and da 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 and, and go to church and sometimes when we sing, it feels really good. And I'm going, is that all I'm supposed to expect? Like, where is your expectation level of what God promises in the New Testament? Guys, I want to chase after this. I don't even know how it's going to look. I've seen God answer my prayers in ways where I'm like, what just happened? God, you heard me. This is crazy. But then I read this and I go, God, there's so much more. And I want more of that. And it's supposed to far exceed what Moses went through. My hope this morning, I hope the reason that God sent me here was that there were some individuals in this room who would take this passage a lot more seriously than I do. Where you read it, you hear it, and it's like the word of God does something in your heart where you go, I gotta have that, and I'm gonna do whatever it takes. God, I want you. I'm not content with anything else. You say in your word, the glory available to me far exceeds what Moses experienced. And I'm reading his life and going, God, that looks pretty amazing. And you say this must far exceed it in glory. So I can't, please God, I cannot live a normal life. I need to see your glory. Are you hungry for this? I'm gonna pray for you right now. And I have seen God answer my prayers in amazing, powerful ways. And this may be the whole reason I came to pray this prayer over you that some of you would suddenly have this hunger and thirst for God and an expectation in what the resurrected Christ wants with you. I'm gonna believe in this prayer. Father, have mercy on us. We get caught up and we follow the course of the world. We 
have so little faith that we, we just assume we'll never experience anything like Moses did. God, forgive us. That's just so wrong. Your word says there's a glory available to us that far exceeds Moses. God, right now from heaven, would you pour your grace on us, Lord, and make us people that just want to connect with the living God, where we're just not content with just other people and stuff, but where we really believe that that that's what the cross was for. You died because you wanted to have fellowship with us, like deep oneness, and it's available to us. So God, give us a hunger for that to where everything in the world, just like Moses, he doesn't care about a better place to live. He just wants more of you. Make us people like that, Lord, that are just hungry for your glory and who long to see you in all of your glory. We long to leave this earth and be in your presence and see you. But for now, we want everything we can have of you on this earth. Make that our desire, God. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.